Praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be in the house of God tonight, this Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us. Awesome services this morning. Uh, great things has been happening across our campuses over the last several weeks. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's been a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff taking place. And I'm, I feel, at times, I feel overwhelmed because it's a lot going on, and I really uh, am not uh, uh, comprehending everything that's happening, but I'm just standing back and I'm just saying, God, you got this, and I'm just glad that great things are going on at Coosa Valley. God has got his hand on the church. He's got his hand on his people, and we're just moving forward with, with him. Amen. Uh, we're looking forward to going into this Thanksgiving season, this Christmas season, and we're just excited about the great times and the things that's going on around the church, the drama, the praise teams, and all of these things that's happening around the church, and God is going to do great and mighty things, amen? Let's go to God in prayer and ask God to move and minister in our study tonight, in our revelation. Uh, if you have a prayer request, please text it to the number on the bottom of the screen, or you can submit it online at cvcog.church forward slash prayer. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you again today, want to thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this great opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship and praise you. Father, tonight I pray that you'll just move and minister in our study tonight. For the next few moments, I pray that your word will resonate in our hearts and our lives. Open it up to us like never before, Father, so that we can continuously learn and glean from your word. And we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You have your Bibles, if you will, go ahead and turn with us to the book of Revelation, chapter 17. Revelation, chapter 17. As we ended last week, we ended off in verse 7 and verse 8. Uh, we talked about how that there is a greatness of the beast, of the Antichrist, that Antichrist spirit, the false prophets, and the support of false religion and the greatness of the Antichrist. We're gonna, there is a greatness there. Uh, the great and earthly power of the Antichrist, of the seven horns and the ten heads, uh, the, excuse me, the seven heads and the ten horns, all of those things that we discussed last Sunday night, moving forward into this, uh, there's a thought process that we want to look at as we ending out verses 7 and verse 8, no matter how great a person may be, if he does not know and does not follow Jesus Christ, he will face perdition. The Antichrist is a great, was a great man. He'll be a great man, excuse me. The Antichrist will be a great man in the eyes of the world. He will rule the world and he will bring uh, peace and prosperity at times, but he will be doomed, all because he never gave his heart and his life to Christ. No matter who a person is, no matter what they may be, if they stand as an enemy of the cross of Calvary, they will be destroyed. It does not matter who he is, either within or outside of the church, he will suffer perdition. He will be utterly destroyed. But So tonight, for just a moment, we want to ask the question, who is an enemy of the cross? The person is an enemy of the cross when he rejects the cross of Calvary, when he, when he rejects that Christ is the only way to God. A person is an enemy of the cross when he's, he does not accept the death of Christ as payment 
for our sins. A person is an enemy of the cross when he does not believe that Christ died for him and that it is a punishment for his transgressions. When he does not believe that the, de- that the penalty of his imperfections was borne by Christ on the cross. Who does not approach God claiming that he comes by the death of Christ and that he want, wants God to accept him in his death of Christ. He claims that there are other ways to approach God other ways than by the cross of Calvary. He considers the cross of Christ to be foolishness and he opposes and curses Christ and the cross. He persecutes and attempts to stamp out Christ and the cross. He also denies and questions that Christ died for him on the cross of Calvary. Brother Andy, those things are not in Scripture. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Matthew chapter 25 and 46, Luke 3 and 17, Mark chapter 3 and 29, Romans 2 and 8 through 9, Second Timothy, or Second, Second, uh, Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, Hebrews chapter 10, 2 Peter chapter 2, Revelation chapter 20, and verse 15. It ends it off and says this, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, Revelation 21 and 8 tells us that, that but the, the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, and that is the second death. These are the things that are a, a uh, makes them an enemy to the cross of Calvary. So let's go on and let's take a look as we've ended verse 8, uh, 7 and 8. Let's go on and take a look at verse 9. I'm going to study, I'm going to read a verse at a time. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 14. And we're going to look at four different facts found in these passages of Scripture. We may not get to all these tonight, but we're going to go ahead and make a, a jump start on it. Maybe we can. But there are there's some power of the beast, and it's this power supports Babylon and the false religions. And we're going to be taking a look at Revelation 17, verses 9 through 14. The power that is found here is phenomenal. Notice four facts. First thing that we find is found in verse 9 when it tells us this. The first part of verse 9 says. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. We find here in the first part of verse 9 that the beast and the Antichrist can only be understood by those who are believers and who are spiritually minded. There are people, men and women, boys and girls, that has been trying to figure out God for centuries And for centuries they'll still try to do it lest the rapture takes place. But there's one thing about it is the one that has a mind of wisdom and spiritually minded is the only one that is going to be able to figure out the things and understand the things of God. When we look at the beast and the antichrist, the only way that we're going to be able to know really about this beast and this antichrist spirit is to have a mind of wisdom. Wisdom. 
Verse 9 finishes off of that and talks about the seven heads, the seven mountains on which the woman is seated. And you find in verse 10, it also goes and says, those are the seven kings, five of those who are fallen. One is the other who has not come yet. And when he does, he comes, he will remain only a little while. We find here in the, the rest of 9 and verse 10, the great earthly power of the Antichrist as that Antichrist spirit sets on a mountain, he embodies the he embodies the very presence of the seven great kingdoms. We took we was looking at that at Revelation chapter 13 and verse 2. And you can you can take a look at these passages you can find about these particular uh, the, this particular king as he's sitting on these seven mountains and these seven great kingdoms. We may take a look in a few, mo- uh, few weeks and go back to these passages of scripture here. But as we tonight, as we continue on in verse 10, we also find that there is, as we find here in verse 10, there is a supernatural power to the Antichrist. I told somebody just in the last week, I told them there are people that tries to go against the devil and you need to understand and have respect for the devil. What do I mean by that? You must understand the devil has a power and authority and you must get a hold of God before you go against the devil. There is a power there, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and the only way to have that power inside of us is to make sure that we've gotten a hold of the mighty hand of God and grabbed a hold of God, grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar of God don't let go, don't back up keep pressing on to that amen this devil, this antichrist spirit, he will be the full embodiment of evil the beast or the antichrist he's going to go through three stages He had an existence from the past, but he ceases to exist for yet another time. Then he is to ascend to the bottomless pit. That is, he is to either be filled with an evil spirit or else be incarnate of satanic evil beyond everything that we've ever seen before in our lives. You can also go on and look, take a look at verse 11 because we find here he is the beast, the eighth ruler, and he is one of the seven original rulers. Verse 11, as for the beast that was and is not, he is an eighth, but it belongs to the seventh and goes to destruction. What is this telling us here? Verse 11 is telling us that there are two stages of existence. The second stage will be the full incarnate of evil. He will embody and include the terrorizing traits of ancient empires. We can take a look and I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, the writer here is not necessarily talking about Adolf Hitler or uh, Saddam, uh, Saddam Hussein or uh, Osama bin Laden or any of these, but I'm talking even worse terrorizing traits than even these folks. You, you, again, you can take a look at Revelation 13, 2 and 3 and Revelation 13, 14 through 17 
as we've already discussed a couple of these things. As we move on tonight in Revelation chapter 17, we see in verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 tells us this, And the ten horns that you saw are the ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. Verse 13, And these are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. There is a great rule of the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit is already here, already gathering together that rule and already uniting the rule toward that. And whenever that time comes, that the Antichrist prophet will be handing off that power and that authority over to the Antichrist the beast of the Antichrist and that spirit of the Antichrist will just continue on in that lineage. There are ten horns talking about the ten kingdoms. These ten kingdoms will be under the power of the Antichrist and form a great alliance with him. We've already talked about that in times Past. You can go back to Revelation chapter 17, starting in verse 7. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. You can also find in Revelation 13 and verse 2 how that we went into more in depth on that back in Revelation 13. There is a ruling and a kingdom there. And we need to understand that that ruling and that kingdom is definitely one that unless you've gotten a hold of God, you really don't want to go against the Antichrist spirit. You need to get a hold of God. This Antichrist spirit is sweeping across this land today greater than it ever has before. But what we must do is we must get a hold, as we've already mentioned, a hold of the horn of the altar of God. I've already told some that they need to spend some time in prayer and fasting and really seeking the face of God. Why? Because if you want to go against that Antichrist spirit, you better make sure that you're prayed up and you're fasting up. Amen? Let's go on and take a look. Verse 14. There's a terrible purpose of the Antichrist and his alliance. We find here in verse 14 is that the, the terrible purpose of the Antichrist and that alliance is they will make war on the Lamb. And the Lamb will conquer them. The Lamb of God is going to conquer them and he's going to be Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. There's going to be a war against the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lord of Jesus Christ, but they're not going to win. Go back and look at Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 13, and Revelation chapter 16 as we dug a little deeper on those things. So let's just pause for just a moment. I want to go back. Uh, I thought I would uh, I thought I would, would get to this till next Sunday, but let's go ahead and do this. Go back to Revelation chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. Let's dig a little deeper into this. Uh, Revelation 17, 9 and 10. We was looking at the great earthly power of the Antichrist, how that he will sit on seven mountains and embody the seven great kingdoms. So let's dig a little deeper into this and, and take a look at what the scripture is trying to tell us. The seven mountains or the seven heads are often referred to as Rome. That is in the end of the religious Babylon the false religions will sit in Rome. This is because Rome was known in the ancient times 
as uh, the city on seven hills. But note, this is not what John says. He does not say on seven hills, but he clearly says the seven heads represent seven kingdoms or seven governments and the seven mountains. By seven mountains, he means that false religions will sit upon the seven kingdoms and the seven empires that have complete and full rule and power. Notice here that the seven mountains and the seven heads mean seven kings and kingdoms and empires. Seven, uh, 17 verses eight, uh, 9 and 10 talks specifically concerning seven heads, seven mountains, seven kings, five falling, one is, the other is yet to come. Who are these kings and the kingdoms and the empires that we're talking about? They are numerous ideas, but the scripture does not identify these particular kings. The best way to discover who they are is to look back through the Old Testament. Oh, we don't like the Old Testament. No, we love the Old Testament because the Old Testament tells us a lot of things of what the New Testament is referencing back to the Old Testament. So we take a look back at the Old Testament. Testament and we find that the kings and the empires that oppose God's people. When this is done, the following empires seem to be the most logical for these kings and empires and kingdoms. Five of the kings or empires are fallen. That is, they no longer exist. These seem to be in a mindset for us today, these five seem to be Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Persia, and Greece. Yeah, I know. Somebody just laughed because I couldn't pronounce it. One of the kingdoms still remains. That is, it's still and exists and continues to exist all throughout the centuries. This would be Rome. The traits of Rome have continued to exist down throughout the centuries. Traits that exist in the embodiment and the ruling bodies, the legislators of the governments and the representatives of the governments and the laws of the nations of Rome. One king or kingdom is not yet to come. This would refer to to a revival of the Roman Empire. Many of the nations that were of the Roman Empire will rise up again and the Antichrist will embrace the traits of all the empires and all the rulers and all the governments that have ruled over them from times past up to this point. He will be the eighth ruler mentioned in verse 11. We have a few more moments. We're going to continue on. I know that it feels like I'm rushing. This is a lot of information. I encourage you after this live feed is over 